0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 518 on Wednesday, the 22nd of March, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And this the week, we'll be looking at government appropriation. Our muscle memory makes us check calendar and hotel prices in Switzerland whilst bringing you new, new car news. And we find out why one car company said, Sneak!
0: Completely over my head. That one, That story is completely <laughs> over my head. <laughs>
1: The first bit of follow-up comes from Popular Science, and the title of the article is Emergency Officials Sound the Alarm on Electric Vehicles Dropping AM Radio. This is a little bit further on from last week's story about how Ford is dropping uh, AM frequency in their Mustang Mm. when that comes out. But there is a reason why America... Canada and Australia do still use it. And it says, as Alan was saying, there's the vast distances for the information to travel, mm-hmm. the remoteness of these vast distances as well. It is still actually very, very important to a lot of people in these remote communities or isolated places that they live, because uh, this is the only way they do get their emergency information. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has a phone. Not everybody has the coverage. And the Senator Ed Markey uh, from Massachusetts actually brought this to everybody's attention in December last year, where he wrote to twenty of the car manufacturers, urging them to commit to AM availability. Of those, Hyundai, sorry, and Toyota,
0: <laughs> advertising
1: works, everyone. Hyundai and Toyota have both stated they have no plans to remove AM radio from their electric cars, but. Toyota did say that it is a little bit of a challenge because there is a lot of static with AM radio thanks to the electricness of the vehicle. Do you want to bring us back to Blighty, though?
0: Yes, back in the UK, you remember a little while ago, uh, BAC, makers of the mono, were toying with the idea of a hydrogen mono, Um, so not hydrogen fuel cell, but uh, hydrogen combustion, they tested it out, it weighed about 149 kilos more than the standard mono, but ultimately with the closure of some of the public hydrogen stations and also the way that the UK government is structuring the future as far as alternative-fueled vehicles goes, they've decided to back off from it just for a minute. It really, it's because they're probably going to work towards either a an electric version, or because their output is low enough that they're not going to be hit by the
1: 2035
0: 20, 20, uh, regulations coming in. I'm sure that's been a, a significant thought. It just gives them more time to try more different things, I guess. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It gives, it gives them more breathing space, but they do say in, in this Auto car article that they will be able to open up the project once again really quickly because they have gone hmm. quite far down the route.
0: One the thing they're saying is there's no sort of off-the-shelf supply of electric powertrains from the major OEMs yet, and that's that's one of the reasons they need to wait till till that kind of thing is offered to other smaller companies.
1: Yeah, I will take us into new news. And last week, the Chancellor's budget was announced in Parliament, and there's a little bit of stuff in there to do with motorists and uh, mobility and the fuel tax has been frozen for the 13th year on the trot, so I think we can forget that now. We don't need to report it. It's,
0: just, it's like this stick that they just hold there. Mm. They say, oh, look how generous we are. We're not doing the same thing we've not done for 13 years. Yeah. So, oh, clear off.
1: Yeah, they're, they're not doing that, but they are extending the surprise 5p per litre cut. I, I get the feeling this may too become <laughs> a never-ending yeah. thing that happens. To the, the whole idea is to ease the cost of motoring, apparently, in this AM online article that we will have linked in the show notes. Added on top of that is another £200 million that will apparently help fix our dreadful pothole-ridden roads. It's not really going to do many.
0: But I've seen a raft of JCB adverts for their all-in-one pothole repair machine.
1: Right, I drove around our town this morning. And someone has, well, the, the council has decided to fill in some of the potholes. And it's amazing because they, they've just thrown a bit of tarmac in three where there is another, because I counted them the other week because I'm not sad, 47 potholes in the stretch of a 500 meter length
0: of road. <laughs> yeah, that's quite bad. <laughs> just pathetic. And is it just, is it just that kind of self-set straight out of the bag stuff? Yeah. Oh, it's rubbish. It'll but, just come yeah, straight back out. Yeah, the they've just gig. gone
1: and tapped it, you know, with the flat thing and then gone on to the next mm. thing. But they can tick something on a spreadsheet that says, We filled in a pothole.
0: And that's where all the money goes by, mm-hmm. folks. That will have cost £300 per pothole, at least. Yep. Ridiculous. Anyway. Um, if
1: you do click on the, uh, the show notes, you'll see that there's a link, as I said, to this AM online that goes into further detail of other stuff like research and development that's apparently going to encourage investment in the country. But also, um, they want uh, over 50s to go back to the workplace, and that's targeting industry. But on top of that, there is also another article from Influence e Mobility, a-, a LinkedIn article where they delve into it as well and give us mm, more details. So if you're interested in that, click do click through on both those to read some more.
0: Uh, next up, according to Automotive News, uh, Volkswagen uh, has had all of its Russian assets frozen by the court. Volkswagen is actually in the middle of trying to sell its uh, factory in Kaluga, uh, just south of Moscow. But um, a court has decided to freeze all of the assets. It's been furloughed since March 2022, so for over a well, every year now.
1: I'll tell you what, those one euro deals that the other companies got look
0: brilliant. Ah, they, are. <laughs> they are. Well, part of it here is that there was a contract between uh, Volkswagen and Gaz to build Volkswagen vehicles under license uh, in Russia. Volkswagen terminated the agreement last August. And Gaz are now trying to claim uh, almost 16 billion euro- rubles, pardon me, 16 billion rubles or $207.79 million. I imagine that's one of the reasons so that they can say it's an asset. But foreign-owned car factory at the minute is worth a euro mm. or a dollar or a ruble, depending on which particular company you are. Basically,
1: nothing. Yep. Okay, I will stick with the VW Group, but talk about Bentley. And they had an 82% growth in profit, which is amazing because last year was their bestest ever year, and the year before that was their bestest ever year. They are continuing to shine for the Audi Group part of Volkswagen Group, the premium car division, as it's called here in another AM Online article, which includes Lamborghini and Ducati, as well as obviously Audi itself. So the operating profit went up to 319 million euros or 280 million pounds with sales rising by 4% for the Bentayga, the Continental GT and the Flying Spur. Mm -hmm. The revenues jumped 19% year on year to 2.97 billion pounds.
0: That's pretty impressive, isn't
1: it? When I did visit there with the Northern Group of Motoring Writers, they really made it clear how. The individuality of what someone can spec mm. is one of their selling points and how so many people do go, I want a bit of that and a bit of that and some of this, some of the other. And, and so the choice they are given, people do take advantage of. And that's obviously where the, then the profits increase because of the personalization and how mm-hmm. um, people are, are picking specific things that just they want rather than thinking oh, it needs to be silver because of the sale on cost later uh, and all the rest as I, as of it. I, say,
0: I still have never forgiven Quentin Wilson for that. No. no. Exactly. And and as uh, other car makers push volume and push volume and push volume, they may be offering loads of options, but they're not necessarily actually selling you them. Mm. You end up with this, hom- hom- what's the word? Homage... I can't even pronounce. I can't even think how many itties there are in it. You end up with a more homogenous set of of vehicles coming out. Yeah. Curiously, it's one of the things I notice over here is everything is the same spec, and it's because people don't spec them. Dealers spec them. Ah. Okay. And then they go buy off the dealer lot. It's chosen by dealers, so that's just what's going to sell and what can you mark up, and it's very rarely very interesting. Hmm. Sorry, which goes completely against what Bentley is saying, of course.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to take us to another well aspirational luxury car company? Depending on what it, the news is,
0: <laughs> well, it's what they want to be. I think maybe I don't know. Do they actually want to exist or not? Who can tell? But Jaguar is actually pretending to be Volkswagen by shuffling around a middle-aged white man uh, within its uh, its management team. Philip Cohn who has, uh, as it says in this Autocar Business article, only publicly been the boss of Jaguar for the past few weeks, has been replaced already. And he has been replaced by uh, someone called Rawdon Glover. Glover has been at JLR for almost a decade. He was previously the managing director of JLR in the UK, uh, and he'd been that in that role since 2018. Cohen is staying within JLR, but it hasn't been announced what he's doing yet.
1: Yeah, he was only an interim to be fair to him. It it was announced as interim while they found someone else.
0: It does sound like this chap is longer interim because they're still saying that they're not going to relaunch Jaguar until 2025.
1: That worries me.
0: Oh, I just don't think they have a clue what they're doing with it. They want to push to be more like Bentley. But every time any manufacturer... I mean, because, you know, Rover Group wanted to be more like Jaguar. Yeah. And then it feels, anytime they go, oh, no, we're not chasing the numbers, Uh, we're actually more aspirational. It's the new EV only brand, and this is this is a bit of both. Uh, yeah. I uh, just unless there is stuff happening in the background that because nobody knows about, nobody's talking about. Ah, uh, what a show! What a sh- what a, what, a, what a show! Uh, there was there was Jaguar event last week's first yeah. one I can remember for years and years and years.
1: Yeah, and it looked like it was positively received as well from some of the the comments on the the people who were there for was, the driving. It was the F-code. which is great to see because we you know anyone who's listened to us for a long while will know that we we desperately want to hear good news about jaguar
0: we we do and it, and it's just this kind of shuffling around and sort of I, I don't want to be rude to these guys but this kind of headlessness mm. that there has been since ian callum left then it, i think it's quite it, it's worrying i do worry about that because i just feel there is if there's no, There might be a clear strategy, but there's certainly no clear communication of that strategy other yeah. than, yeah, electric brand, 2025, whole new platform, ignoring everything that's there right at the minute and not doing anything with it.
1: It feels a bit like, you know what you say about the importer for the Subaru and the Isuzu. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You can only focus on one at a time.
1: Yeah, it really feels like they can only focus at one at a time. It doesn't help when the design, head of design for the whole group is clearly leaning one way
0: yes yes exactly yeah yeah i i, I agree yeah so you can only only do one at a time um with yeah mm, let's see okay move on <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> well, i'm going to take us to volta trucks and they ha- are the uh, latest ev only lorry manufacturer that has gained european whole vehicle type approval last week we were talking about one company that had gained the European whole vehicle type approval, but then was now also applicable for the government plug-in grant. And the hope is then that Volta will also be uh, applicable for this grant. And it just opens up Europe to them. They're able to sell into Europe. Uh, and at the minute they are busy going up and down through Regents
0: Street. Yeah, silently. yeah. This, uh, <laughs> yeah so c- Central London, Regent Street, all that area, doing the sort of last mile or last four-mile deliveries yeah, uh, and stuff. So, so yeah. Uh, this uh, Again, this looks promising. I know this sounds like a silly thing to base it on, but their PR team is, is a lot of high-flyers. Yes. That's they, a good they have, site, and who have been there for a while as well. Yes.
1: Yeah, they have proper people who have worked in proper companies doing proper things. Mm. I'm not seeing a flood of outlandish claims.
0: No, 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 And I'm saying that as a good thing, by the way, and not yeah. not okay. just uh, to get PR teams. It, it just that stability is quite nice to see. Especially when everybody else is, just, everything's a mess. Yeah. DBLA next. Let's all go to Swansea. Just like millions and millions of driving license applications, which have still been delayed. Three million of driving license applications during the pandemic experienced major delays, and applicants claim that they've lost jobs or income, suffered social isolation and mental health problems, according to the Public Accounts Committee. Uh, this is an article from the BBC. DVLA saying prioritizes online services during the pandemic, obviously. And it says that that's because most applications were made online. Th- this is all about complaints about the DVLA. They rose sharply in two years after April 2020. This is pretty, pretty grim. I mean, they are saying, on the flip side, by the way, in the interest of balance, it's a BBC article, about 17 million applications submitted online that didn't involve any medical conditions were processed within 3 days but the paper ones or ones that required any decision about fitness to drive could have very long delays in indeed
1: yeah anything that wasn't automated mm. you forget getting that back anytime soon
0: basically mm-hmm. Supposedly, uh, 94% of the total calls that the DVLA received between April 2020 and March 2022 went unanswered. That's about 60 million, six zero million unanswered calls. DVLA, on the other hand, is saying that they've now modernised its telephone systems, uh, so it should be able to cope better with any future surges in demand. And they're saying they're back to normal processing times. Good. Yes.
1: I'm now going to take us to a navigation app that crowdsources its information that's telling us it's going to crowdsource its information about charge points. Waze is adding charge point information to their maps now and they will let you know whether it's working, whether it's free, the charge rates, uh, and the speeds. Mhm. Seems quite late to the party or is it just me?
0: Uh, no, I think it's quite late to the party. It's something which I would have expected Waze to have introduced some time ago. Yeah. But maybe because it's US centric. Like, I know I know. Waze is Israeli before anybody points that out. But, you know, Google owned. Yep. Yeah. I, and then it, the charges haven't been such an issue because there's only really been one major brand and its charges are in its systems. Mm. It does seem a little bit a little bit late. One of the great things about this though, I would hope, is that it's I mean, they're rolling out globally in the coming weeks, is that it should be international. Yes. And some of the apps that we use or recommend aren't necessarily international. They you know, yeah. are UK. So you might well get a better granularity from Zapmap in the UK, for example, and you're getting charger provided data in those, not just crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, the data should be better. Or you're getting a mix of charger provided and crowdsourced in something like Zapmap. So, the data should be better. But as a first glance and a test and an ability to find charging stations, then Waze should be a good start on that.
1: Helping all those people who like to charge across the continent from somewhere in the UK all in a day. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to take us to a switching off of? stuff
0: which seems quite ungood (laughs) last one here and it's not really a car thing but it does affect cars with built-in sim cards and some of the you know some of the older vehicles built-in sim cards and connectivity and that's that Vodafone is starting to switch off 3g across some parts of the uk uh, and other networks are set to follow on from that the challenge here is if you have a phone or a SIM that only supports up to 3G, then you won't be able to connect to the outside world. So I would say people with older connected services in their cars, that may well be an issue. Yeah. I don't know if others like the system in the, the Grim, um, it uses my phone as the, you know, it uses my phone as a Wi Fi hotspot, a Bluetooth hotspot, oh, okay. and then uses that to connect. Obviously. That won't be affected if, if it does that to get online services. But if it's got a built-in SIM, you may well have issues. I don't mm. know. So whilst there's a, the article that's linked to from moneysavingexpert.com, it tells you which providers it is, where there may be an issue or piggyback providers, then you don't know what the deal is with your car. You don't know what network it's using and stuff. Mm. Um, so I don't know if it's worth speaking to a dealer or something.
1: It M- may um, Ken Tyndall, who uh, reposted this article on Mastodon which is where I found it might know a bit more about that and so mm. in in another call out to our wonderful listeners mm-hmm. being very specific here if there is extra info that we can add to help put a bit of uh, context to that story uh, that would be awesome if you have it Ken.
0: Mm. Mm. Ken by the way is an expert in connected vehicle systems and security of uh, so, an expert in all of those kind of things. So, yeah. Fantastic source if you are looking for that kind of information. Yes. Uh, that takes us to Guilt Minute. I think so. Yeah. It's that quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the most podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small selection of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they release and by liking, rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that and some of you do so, thank you very much. Then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you everyone that does. Exactly. New, new car news, Andrew. I'm going to start off with one that looks right up your street, really. Is it worth saying? Lots of new new car news, so we're just going to skip over it quite quickly this week.
1: Absolutely, or as ever, check the links in the show notes because there mm. will be uh, all the information in there for you to find out more. First up is the Kia EV9. Unless you lived under a rock last week, even even I, who was hardly on social media, managed to see that this was out and was getting well promoted and a lot of love actually. Mm. It's a good look from plenty of people. It is a seventh. What is it? The first seven seat electric SUV.
0: Uh, possibly, it depends how you count various Tesla.
1: Okay, right, yeah, that that is a point. Uh, But it will come with a maximum of 337 miles range as well. This is a new look for Kia, I think. It is developing further on from what the current Sportage has. Mm. I think it is a really smart-looking vehicle. Again, I think this is a feature of Kia and Hyundai photographs at the moment. There is very little context to see just now, how large it is, but it's seven seats, so it's going to be on the big side.
0: Now, this article from Autocar does say that it is about the same size as the Telluride. The Telluride is bigger than anything. It's the next size up from, I, I don't know if they sell anything that size, but it is, it is quite big. Okay. okay, it's bigger than anything currently offered. It is moving on to Range Rover size. Is this coming to us? I don't know
1: because it's so big I think it must be an American main American focused vehicle.
0: It is definitely an American focused vehicle. I see many tellurides many of the Hyundai equivalent which begins with P Palisade mm. as well. So this is a soccer mom vehicle. Mm-hmm. This is this is really a this is really a minivan. This is really an MPV in in the disguise of an SUV. But yeah, it looks as practical as any of those other vehicles. All the seats fold flat. It's the same size. It's the same kind of proportions, if much better detailed. Yeah, there's no commitment here to it being in the UK. But of the 13 bespoke Kia EVs arriving in the next three years, eight will come to the UK.
1: Well, I saw yesterday a reveal of uh, the EV5, I think Mm. it was, Mm -hmm. which is a smaller version of this. Looks very, very close to the exterior design, because this is the first from Kareem uh, Habib, um, yeah. who moved from BMW. Mm-hmm. This is the first of his complete design. I mean, the prices for this thing, they're talking about starting from the 60,000 mark going up to the mid 80,000s.
0: That's about right for over here.
1: Yeah. So we will keep you updated on that one. Um, but it, it just looks great. I think it looks great.
0: I'll be surprised if this comes to the UK. Yeah, I the EV5 definitely. I think it's too big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shall we move to the other end of the spectrum?
1: Well, not that far in price.
0: <laughs> oh, no, not really. That's the kind of scary thing. Ferrari has released uh, details of a new Roma Spider. It's the new entry level uh, Ferrari convertible with a mere 612 horsepower from its V8. All the same performance figures as the coupe. Uh, thanks to the aerodynamics, it looks good. So it's of course front engine. A rear-wheel drive coupe very classical proportions i actually saw one of the hard tops on the road uh, the other week with the winter tires and you know sub-zero and, and someone was taking their Roma out in the northeast of the u.s with all the salt it looked so good it was quite unexpected uh, but it looks great so it's 612 horsepower 3.9 liter twin-turbo V8, driving the rear axle through an eight-speed dual-clutch auto box, 0-62 of 3.4 seconds, top speed of 199 miles an hour. Uh, No pricing released yet, but it's expected to cost a little bit more than its £170,000 coupé. And also, you can specify uh, its little socks off deliveries to the UK starting at the beginning of 2024.
1: Okay, I'm going to take us to the Ford Bronco. And I would like to claim some sort of prize for mentioning this last year and saying, why doesn't the Ford Bronco come to, the, come to Europe and the UK? It's too darn big. No, I was talking about the... Um, Bronco Sport. Sport. But Ford said that they will introduce its Bronco off-roader to European markets for the first time in strictly limited numbers with a focus of extreme off-road use.
0: This is a halo car for the rest of the thing. They don't really expect to sell that many. People will buy them, Mm. but I would imagine a fair number will end up as promotional vehicles.
1: Yeah, it's because of emissions Mm -hmm. and safety tech with the reasons I was told last year why it probably wouldn't, the sport wouldn't be coming here anyway. Mm-hmm. If you can keep the numbers down, I presume you get some sort of leeway with it and depending on where you use it.
0: Well, the more people who buy the uh, who buy the new explorer, which we'll talk about next week, by the way, because it crept in after we'd done the lineup. Yeah. The New Explorer will of course offset some of these and mm. you know, Go out and buy your cute Q- your cougar plugins, please.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Th- these things are kinda cool looking. They look better in three door than five door. They are very wide. Very wide indeed.
1: They look much better with a uh, sort of the hard top version rather than the soft top. The soft top looks like somebody's done it in their garage. It looks
0: like a Millet special, or like that whenever the Top Gear made a convertible Espace. Remember that? <laughs> yes. That's what the soft top looks like. It is so jerry-rigged looking. But of course, if you specify them on the soft top, you're not really expected to tam it up that often. No, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. No, exactly. I
1: uh, do you want to uh, quickly take us to the to the first of the BMW stories?
0: Lots of BMW stories coming up over the next little bit, and of course, the first one that has been dropping into all of our social media feeds is the quite spectacularly controversial and quite frankly gross XM. What we're going to do is now. Now, opinions have varied wildly on this. Okay, what? from between between journalists. And to give you an idea, so this autocar article from Richard Lane's beautifully written. It's really nicely written. It is not complimentary, but it's it is very cutting. It is, it is it is it is incredibly cutting. It's at one end, Jalopnik at the other hand, are prepared to overlook the fact that it looks hideous for the fact that they say it rides really well. UK journalists driving the same cars on the same roads say that it rides appallingly. <laughs> I'll let you make up your mind. This is BMW's M Division's first unique vehicle since the Shijaro designed M1 mm. in the 1970s. I just think it's repulsive, to be perfectly honest. It does not work for my sentiments at Absolutely all. Absolutely.
1: Everything about it is perfect for now. It is It, it is appalling to look at. It is arrogant. The excess is dreadful and it adds (laughs) nothing, nothing at all to the automotive landscape. Nothing positive anyway.
0: No, it's quite special. I'm having trouble trying to say anything nice here because I look at the picture and I think, no, even the wheels are too small for the body. The just, oh God, it's awful. But we're going to talk a little bit later on about why, probably one of the reasons why it is so outstanding. Yes. In one way or another, egregious. There we are. There's the word I'm looking for, egregious. <laughs> so should we move on to? So we'll talk about. I mean, what is there to say, really? I suppose I should give you some specs.
1: No, just let everybody read it and no, don't do any more because it's repulsive.
0: Do it yourself, guys. We didn't even really want to talk about it, but we felt ooh, I felt we should. Yeah, you did. This is that's my fault. My <laughs> fault that article is in there. Andrew, tell us about something which is a far more attractive and pleasure looks just much better as an ownership experience
1: yep sticking with bmw and this is the i5 touring which is confirmed for 2024 again there'll be an Autocar link in the show notes but the estate will be joining the saloon that's coming out this year with an electric uh, internal combustion engine and plug-in hybrid variants and it looks like a 5 series in which there is going to be an ev version of as well
0: Awesome. In the same way as you can get a four series and an i four, then I imagine that that's what they're doing here as well. They've got a a five series and an i five, and I think it looks really good.
1: It looks like a five series estate, so it looks fine.
0: Yeah, it looks like the grown-ups were allowed to to do that one, and the
1: yeah, it doesn't. It it's not defined. It doesn't appear to be defined by its exterior looks. Whereas other models have perhaps been a bit more um yes a bit yes a bit more mm. Mm. anyway there are very few details when it comes to the ev side of things on what it's going to be able to do because we don't we the bmw haven't revealed them yet they're only speculation on what the i4 does so therefore they're trying to extrapolate that and put it into an i5 platform
0: no prices performance or anything like that yet Yep. next up in the trio of BMW stories is one that will bring much sadness to certain corners of the Bradley family here. BMW is culling its line of diesel cars in the UK in response to insufficient demand. According to Charlie Martin in uh, this Autocar article linked as ever in the show notes, diesel variants are one series, two series coupe, five series and X2 have been removed and all diesel variants of the four series have gone. That'll be because everybody's now buying The plug-in hybrid versions, or 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 electric versions, and um,
1: can't wait to hear how our CO two emissions have gone up.
0: Yes. Uh, So specifically, the models that have gone are the one one eight D, the one twenty D X Drive, which one I would have had, the two twenty D Coupe, the four twenty D, the four thirty D, the M four forty D, the five twenty D X Drive, and here's the one that's going to cause issues: the five (laughs) thirty D X Drive. And any diesel version of the X2. Uh, BMW said in statement, supply to autocar, BMW continually monitors consumer demand across models to ensure we have a product offering that is relevant and reflective of our customers' needs. The most popular of those that were axed, by the way, is the 118D, and it only managed 1,326 UK sales in 2021. In the past, I can imagine that of making that having made almost that many sales a month. Yeah. If you went back to 2017, 2018, 2019. Yeah. yeah. And by last year, it was down to 505 sales for the year. You can see why. It's just not very sympathetic to those with haulage companies with the large tanks of diesel on site who like their large engine BMW four-wheel drive models. Have to buy a couple and put them in storage. And, do- and doesn't like driving SUVs. Yeah, well, he can do what the heck he wants. Yes, when it comes to that one. So, Andrew, that's the one close to the Bradley family heart. What about some renew car news close to the Clues family heart? Yes,
1: in a move that would make Lazarus proud, Citroen has brought back the petrol and diesel Berlingo MPV. Um, they will start, come in uh, sale and be priced at t- starting at twenty five thousand four hundred and sixty five. But it is not quite as it was before. It is only a five seat version. There is a fixed bulkhead. Therefore, it's a van. This is not an MPV. It's a van. That's how they're getting around it. In the same way that the Jimny is a commercial vehicle now, mm. the only way they can sell it because the commercial vehicles' rules are different to and do not affect the average fleet co2 emissions that everyone is very very worried about because the fines are beyond eye-wateringly steep Mm -hmm. if you can get away with a fixed five-seat berlingo and that's the car for you and you need the extra range because of the petrol or diesel engine Mm. which i mean that is the falling down of the e-berlingo uh, and the e-rifter is the range at the moment the usable range yeah, and a, we still we reported that french sales have fallen mm. dramatically because of this i don't know if they've started to pick up again with people going actually i can i can live with that mm. and as we know one of the guest presenters of the show has just got himself an e-rifter he has <laughs> which i am i'm am very interested to watch along his experience of living with it because this is a gentleman with three young children and they are going in with their eyes open, knowing the constraints, uh, and adapting to it. So that, that one's going to be fascinating. Good luck with that, Alex.
0: Yeah, Alex has a long history of these, anyway. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure if you if you, do, I'm sure that a set of torque bits and a driver will sort out that um, that bulkhead pretty quickly. Uh, if you do Does need that, that,
1: not contravene something though. Does it, is that fundamentally messing with something to take it out of a category?
0: i don't know it's just only a, bu- a, really a bulkhead i don't think so is it not only I'm, I'm, a half height bulkhead anyway
1: a pure just a pure speculation i'm 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 genuinely curious i'm not trying to
0: i don't be believe facetious. so i mean if you were if you were then subsequently using it as a van and things whacked into the back of people then you could be in and they tried to claim against you for having done something then I'm, I'm sure that there would be an issue, but I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't understand why that would be the case.
1: If anybody actually listening knows that, could you let us know? Cause I, I genuinely am interested in if you, if it's just, that seems quite a fundamental change because the bulkhead makes it the commercial vehicle, doesn't it?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: Anyway, let's go on to points. Yes, of interest sorry. Sorry. Ways. Yes. So sorry. sorry tongue, that, tangent.
0: Really. Uh, right. Yes. Uh, Points of interest, and we'll start off, as usual, uh, with the lunchtime read. Uh, This one here is by a chap called Alex Murrell, and it's at alexmurrell.co.uk. Link, as ever, in the show notes, and this is so worth your reading. It is not a car-specific article. It's not a motoring-specific article. It's called The Age of Average, and it's talking about um, how global trends mean that things are kind of looking the same. Uh, and it talks about all sorts of aspects of everything, from Airbnbs to cities to all sorts of all sorts of things. Coffee shops, yeah. I was trying to avoid that one. And celebrities' lips, all sorts of things. Really interesting article. And it's talking about why there is this uh, um, homogenousness. There we go. That's twice. I have twice in one show. I've messed up the use of the word homogenous. Do have uh do have a read. It is if you're interested in this stuff and design and aesthetics in general.
1: And it's imp- and and the interaction with society. And the interaction and
0: society and culture. Sorry, that always sorry. In my mind, you see, if you're interested in design stuff, you're automatically interested in that kind of thing. It's all entwined as one in my little brain. Have a read. This is one of the best I don't want to diss anything else or what was meant to be there instead or what was originally there instead, because it was very good too, and it'll be next week. Really, really good article. Please go read it. Yeah. There we go. I, I, I can't work on a bigger push than that.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to take us to the list of the week. And here we have a Jalopnik list mm. of the bucket list roads Jalopnik would love to drive. And I'm going to ask Alan because there are 14, 14 slides, not 14 roads, but there are 14 slides.
0: Mm. There's a couple in here that I have driven already. Mm. It's a toughie here. I am. I'm going to go to one that is definitely on my list for the time I'm here in the US, and that's the Monument Valley Loop Drive. Oh, okay. It is oh, one nice. of the things that is that is on the in the list. I really should start publishing. So remember how I published that? M- I I shared that map of of US auto of car museums. Yeah. I start. I, I have that, which I should publish properly, really, somewhere. Then the the next one really is my is is my list of places I really should need to go and see when I'm in the US. <laughs> uh, and yeah. some of the ones, some of the drives on on here, I have actually already done, even in the US many years ago. So, so or in France, to be honest, mm. <laughs> it's an excellent, really good yeah. list. Do
1: yeah, do click on the show notes and uh, let us know if you agree with Alan or which road you would like to do. Apart from all of them. Yes, all they of all them look special, special yeah. to be fair.
0: Yeah, they do. they do. So that moves us to the end, finally. Now, the, you'll notice, you'll know that motoring podcast etiquette means that we swap round articles as we go along. It's it's Andrew, then me, and then Andrew, then me. And then, this is the way it goes. But this one here, we've run we've run to a point where I don't get the reference for this because as far as I'm concerned, there was only one PlayStation game. Gran Turismo. Oh, which is Gran Turismo it's the only game i've ever spent any time playing because i'm just not into computer games you take this one
1: (laughs) yeah this was thanks to alex goy actually retweeting this david hater is the voice actor who played the classic uh, video game metal gear solid's main character snake and he did you see uh, nobody
0: said uh, nothing here says metal gear solid now i have heard of metal gear solid
1: the thing is, Alan, you didn't have a misspent youth like I did.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, between uh, yeah, between Grand Theft Auto and, and and Grand Turismo, I did manage to have to repeat a year of university. So let's uh, <laughs> let's move on from that particular observation.
1: Uh, and one, well, David Hayes has uh, many voice acted things, but the one that people will definitely recognise is the character Snake in Metal Gear Solid. And he was saying that at one time he did an advert for Ford where the producers were huge fans of (laughs) of snake and they said you know what would you do it as snake if we can get permission and he went yeah no problem going "Ah, that'll never happen there's no way a games manufacturer is going to let ford (laughs) do this and they did so (laughs) click through on the show note to see the advert in full because it's awesome. <laughs> it's just really awesome. But terribly cheesy as well, because they sort of crowbarred the car bit into this. <laughs>
0: yeah, the dialogue is something else. In a nice way, but I guess. It,
1: yeah, it, it, it takes me back, though, to the Metal Gear, not getting him to stand, getting him to stand, not stand, stand when I'm trying to shoot and do all the other things because I couldn't get it to work properly. And reminds me of the Dar O'Brien sketch on uh metal gear solid as well do click through on that and that's just a what a what a an amazing story that's just nuts yeah it's Absolutely one of those nuts. ones that
0: you think how on earth did they get to that must have taken ages lots of planning as opposed to her oh, wouldn't it be cool if yeah. yeah which is how the best stuff happens really yep <laughs> Anyway, speaking of the best stuff happening, that pretty much winds us up for this week, doesn't it? There's no parish notes yep. or anything other than. Not that I can think. Go of. And watch Pollock's projects that we recommended last week.
1: And also, uh, talking of friends of the show, Major Gav mm. Petrol Blog has been publishing videos again. Yes. So do do go through and see the Petrol Blog uh, channel on YouTube because he's he's produced uh, two or three, I think, in the last couple of weeks. Mm.
0: Yes, they they have appeared. Which it it was a surprise, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> other person, if we're going to plug other folk, uh, Hubnot Vids, uh, Ian Siebert has yes. he has congratulations on your first YouTube play button, Ian. Oh, yeah. And also he's put out, put out a video comparing comparing an elderly kangoo with an elderly bilingo. So there we go. If you do like your vans, your French vans without a bulkhead, then there is a way to to get them. And uh, and Ian compares and contrasts uh, and uh, tries to work out which bits are going to fall off each next. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to us, though. Uh, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts of the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com hub of all our activities. Remember you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and reach on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is either via Twitter or Mastodon. If you search for the name Crack Windscreen, you will find me on both of those. And Alan, what is the best way for people to speak to you personally?
0: Uh, Basically the same ways, via Twitter or Mastodon, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley.
1: I've been Andrew Clues.
0: And safe motoring.